The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. So the reason why I'm distracted is because I was thinking about my new toy. Okay. So depending on what year you were born, I'm not picking on you, I'm just stating the facts. You either think that you know what this is or I'm about to say one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. But we're going to show you, we're going to put up on the screen what you would see if you were wearing one of these, okay? So I think, I think the game that I'm in is called Rec Room and like uh, I think I'm playing racquetball. And, you know, what's amazing about these things is you guys are seeing something up on the screen. You're seeing it, right? Is it up there? Okay, all right, all right. And I'm losing, aren't I? <laughs> I'm the first person, so like, I'm, yeah, okay. So you're seeing it like in a screen image, but like, I, you know, mine would be totally immersed in this. I look over here, I see, look over here, I see. Did I lose? Is the game over? It's cheap anyway. You see, I was like, was I facing this way the whole time? I thought I was this way. <laughs> Don't run with that on. <laughs> like I did. I was about to put it on, grab the mic, and like run back up here just so I could beat the clock, and that would have been disastrous. So this is, this is a VR helmet. This is virtual reality. Anybody have one of these? Let me show hands. Okay. Well, our, our tech director, uh, Ridge, He's in charge. Yeah, you can cheer for Rich. Rich is in charge. He leads a team that makes all the lights and makes sure I have a TV. And um, he, he, uh, he got one of these things for Christmas. I'm, I'm going to tell you about it in just a moment. The amazing thing about this man is like this, you can play pretty much any game you want in here. You can go to any world. You can score points, play sports, go into mystic imaginary worlds. And the best thing about it, the best thing about any game is that you can, you can win. That's the feeling that we all want. That's why we're in the series, hashtag winning, because we all want to win. And in here, I mean, the possibilities of winning are endless. And then, tack on the fact that in like this kind of game, all right, some of y'all are, you know, are only old enough to know about the game I'm wearing on my shirt, Atari, but they've come a long way. More than doo -doo, like, pong. <laughs> Some of you are like, that's, that's the days. <laughs> no, no, no. You try Pong and this thing, it's going to hit you. You know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so Ridge, he got one of these for Christmas, and he said that when he got it, he played for two hours straight. And then when he took it off, he had to, like, sit down and feel things and remember what reality was. Because this thing is so immersive, it seems so real. And not only would that make it something that would make you want to keep playing, there's that instant gratification of winning. But the reality is, virtually or not, that this is just, this is pretend. But wouldn't it be great if our virtual wins, if our pretend wins, could translate over into this game of life? That if we scored 100,000 points in here, we would see that same amount of zeros in our bank account? <laughs> right, right? But, but how absurd would it be to think that you could put this on and play a perfect season of Madden football 
and then walk onto the field with this on and try out for your favorite NFL team. Your first and only tackle would be by security. <laughs> as great as a win as this is, it's just pretend. And it's absurd to think that a pretend win could translate into the real life, but we live in that absurdity. We do. We live in pretend facades. We put up pretend fronts. We live lies instead of truth. And the game of life that we're talking about today specifically is the God game which is this one and the same. God basically has the little box game of life with the colored letters in the card sitting on his shelf, and we're all in it. And that's the game we're talking about today. Well, how, how do we win that game? What's the game I have to play to earn God's approval? How many points do I got to score in contrast to how many mistakes I made to be forgiven. What skills do I got to have for God's scouts to see me from the stands and come down into the field and recruit me onto his team? What's the highest score that I got to hit to secure me a spot on his first class flight to eternity? There's some words in the Bible we're going to look at today. I'll make sure when we come to them, I'm going to say there's one of those words. There's some words that are in the Bible that they make us feel good about this tension. They make us feel a whole lot better about the fact that there probably is a game that we're playing to score good with God. And one of them we're about to see in Matthew 23 is the word Pharisee. We absolutely love this word. You don't know it, but you do, and I'm going to tell you why you do. This is why you love this word, because anytime you see it in the Bible, like we're about to look at, it's never good for them. Anytime Jesus has to talk to them, he is bodying them, laying out their laundry, just like, oh, and we like this. We love this word, because anytime we see it coming, we get to go, yep, that is not me. <laughs> Don't I feel good about my scorecard? Give it to him, Jesus. Oh, my, did you hear what he said? That's y'all, not me. And I love, I love that we're going to look at Matthew 23, and I, lo I love when the numbers, like, make sense, when there's a nice coincidence, because 23, right? We know on the court who that is. This whole chapter, 23, Jesus dedicates to just LeBroning the Pharisees. You're terrible at that. Do you know what you are? Like, that's the one where he shoots and doesn't even look at it. You know what I mean? Like, just gives it to him. So let's feel good about our score, shall we? Let's dive in here. Matthew 23. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to the disciples, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees. This was their job. In case you don't know, the Pharisees were the ones who were in charge of teaching all the people of Israel how to obey God. This basically, they were breaking down the Bible before we actually had the Bible. Okay? That's, what, that's what the law is. And the Pharisees, they're official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you. Good insight. This is good material. Pay attention to it. Listen to it. However, 
don't follow their example because they don't practice what they teach. This is the one that you probably got hung up on. This is a pet peeve. Oh my God, don't tell me to take out the trash, Dad, when you're sitting in your room and you got snicker bar paper all up in the trash can. Like, don't, that's not, that's not, don't focus on that. The bigger pain point, you see my guilt, the bigger pain point is this one here. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and they never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture in them. They would, they would wear the scripture on their arms, on their heads. They would, they were, they were, this was their way of showing that they're living it out. It's on me. They wear robes with extra long tassels. Like God told them to put tassels on them to symbolize that this was their, this was their position and authority. But they said, oh, I could do better than that. I'm going to put on the everyday I'm tasseling tassels. And they love to sit at the head table at the banquets and in the seats of honor at the synagogues. Now, as Jesus goes down further in this scripture, he pulls out another one of our favorite words. And this word normally gets hurled at the church a lot by everyone else. But in the church, we like to use it against each other too. And he calls them in this scripture, seeing what they do, he calls them, yell it out if you know it. Y'all read the scripture. Hypocrite. Just saying it earns you 10 God points. I'm going to earn me some hypocrite. Oh, you a big, you a hippopotamus hypocrite. You a big hypocrite. Jesus, you guys, is actually the only one who uses this word right. See, we get this, just like you saw the pet peeve in there. We do that. We love to look at the word hypocrite and think it's someone who knows to do right, believes in doing right, and then doesn't do it. That's the word we love to give a hypocrite. But let me show you what Jesus is using this as here. This is a hypocrite. Robert Downey Jr., Melissa McCarthy, even though his voice sounds like God himself, Morgan Freeman, Will Smith, hypocrites. Now, I just named my favorite actors, and that's why they're hypocrites, because they're actors. They get paid to pretend. I'm going to break somebody's heart in here today. Robert Downey Jr. is not actually Iron Man. I know. He gets paid to pretend that he is so that we can eat popcorn. And that, that is what Jesus is saying to them. When Jesus sees the Pharisees, he's saying, listen, because later in the verse, he uses this, he uses this analogy of a cup. Our dishwasher in home is broke right now. And no, one of my kids' names is not dishwasher. The actual machine is broken. And so I know what it's like to go grab a cup looking like it's clean on the outside. And as I look down it, I see leftovers coming towards my mouth. <laughs> Jesus is saying, everything that you're doing here is outside pretend. The inside of the cup is filthy. He's saying, you, you do not really know the one you're talking about. 
You don't have a personal connection with him. He's saying you are pretending. You don't really know God. You're playing that guy on TV for everybody to see you. Basically what Jesus is saying is, listen, okay, if there is a God game, then to win the game with God, you have to be a contender and not a pretender. You can't expect or believe or think that these wins in here will actually translate into real life. You're pretending. To win this game with God, you have to actually be in the game. Okay, that's a game I wanna win. I wanna win God's game, so what do I need to do? Do I have to memorize the whole New Testament and the Old Testament? Because there's some things in there I don't want to keep saying over and over in my head. When we worship, do I have to do full touchdown? Or is Statue of Liberty good enough? How about hi, my name is? Is that, is that enough? When I give to the homeless, do I got to give to every homeless person I see? Or can I just give... To, or if I got to give to everyone, is a dollar enough? Is there a minimum? How many points do I got to score to win with God? See, what I just described was something that Jesus used when he was talking to the Pharisees. Checking off boxes of goodness, keeping spiritual habits and praise postures. All of them have a whopping score of zero in this game with God. The game that I just described was what we know commonly as religion. And that's what Jesus was saying. He's saying you put religious demands on people. And look, I don't mean to even be offensive. Maybe you're joining us online and Christianity is not part of your life, but this is just you like Atari, and so you figured you'd stop and watch. There's some beautiful religions in our world, y'all. They teach good things. Character and principle and proverb. And even the idea of religion itself is not a bad... What can I do to let God please me, for God to be pleased by me? What can I do to get connected to him? How many, what, what path do I got to stay on to get to him? The idea is not a bad idea, it's just not... God's idea. To win at God's game. It's actually harder and easier than what you think at the same time. My favorite ball player was Mike. And one thing I learned about Michael Jordan is that before he became a winner, he had to lose. Preceding his six titles, he had to lose three times in the playoffs to really learn what it was to win. To win at God's game, you simply have to lose. See, to be a contender in God's game means surrender. To be a contender simply means surrender. See, the moment that we start to realize that 
even if you've been taught it your whole life, that this is what you got to do to make sure you stay close to God or to have him love you or give you approval or welcome you into his family, the moment we start to realize that I can't pray enough or eloquent enough or pray for enough people, I can't give away enough money to match God's generosity, I can't kick a habit or kick an addiction, something's been following me around my whole life and I can't beat it, and if I could beat this one thing, I could get close to God, but I can't. The moment you start to realize that and admit it, God comes to you when he takes this fake pretend game of chasing him down off of your eyes and you can see the reality. You can see the reality of Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Let me get that verse if you can, Keelan. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. God saved you by his grace. There is the word right there. That's the word. God saved you by his grace the moment you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Your salvation is not a reward for the, thank God, I'm going to say it again. Your salvation is not a reward for the good things you have done. Thank you, God. Thank you that grace is not points from Jesus. Grace points to Jesus. Because I can't score enough of them. Look, the other night, Steph Curry put up 42 points against the Mavs. Killing them. And he was sitting on the sideline. The game was almost over. And he gets up to come walking out to go play some more. And his trainer stops and puts his hand dead in his chest and sits him down and says, Nah, dog. You're good. You don't need to go back out. This game is one. Grace. Grace is Jesus sitting us down, saying, you don't need to play this pretend game anymore. I have scored enough points for everybody. And the moment that you admitted, the moment that you admitted that you can't do it and that you can't win without me, yes, it felt like a loss. Yes, you took a loss, but I took my loss to the cross like a boss. A couple days later came out and I handed the world the trophy. Grace isn't points from Jesus. It just points to Jesus. That's why grace should be our favorite word. Because it means God saving us from a loss we deserve to give us a win that we could never earn. So everything that I was doing that was pretend, I was trying to win God's approval and win his heart and win his forgiveness and win a relationship with him. Now I can do for real and not pretend. Everything I was doing before towards God is not empty ritual. It's embracing the relationship. Religion is not trying. Religion is trying to pursue God. But do, what do we sing? Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Religion is trying to pursue God through practices, but God said, stop, I pursued you. Now, now those practices have a purpose. 
Now those practices aren't pretend they've been leveled up to power. Because why else would we be here right now? If I'm telling you that listening to a pastor and reading your Bible and praying and giving, all the things that we see that we're told to do, if I'm telling you that they're not part of the race anymore, why are we here? Why still do them then? Are they void? Do they have no purpose? Ask Bubba Wallace why he would still be on the track after the race is won. Ask him what he's doing while he's still going around and around. If the race is done and the race is won, ask him why he's still on the track. It's called a victory lap. I'm not driving my life anymore trying to win. I'm driving my life because I've won. There's a difference. And as a matter of fact, I didn't deserve this win. Jesus gave it to me at the cost of his own life. So not only am I going to take a victory lap, I might just go a little above. I might be a little extra. I might go off of the track and go over to the grass and just do donuts and tear this place up because I don't deserve what I have, but yet I have it. So yes, I'm obedient to God, but I'm not obedient to God anymore because I'm afraid of hell. I'm obedient to God because I'm accepted by heaven. I'm not, I'm not praying anymore, hoping that my, my, that my prayers will go past the ceiling. I'm praying because I know that's how God blows the roof off of my life. I'm not, I'm not realizing that I'm going through some chore of trying to mutter through the words of a worship song. No. Now I'm the reason why they got to turn it up loud because I can't sing, but they can't shut me up. I'm not giving anymore, hoping that karma gives me something back. I'm given because all God has given to me. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so. So give the grace that you've been given. Yeah, I'm a little pumped up about this one this week, y'all. I know, I'm a little extra right now, I know. It's because I want you to not miss out on one of the greatest gifts that we have in having grace from God. It's giving it. We can forget sometimes what this means to us. See, because the very sin that Jesus died for and that God gives us grace about is the very thing that works against the grace even though we're not working to earn points anymore, every now and then we'll feel like we got to put this thing back on and start pretending again that we have to work to be forgiven. That we have to earn our way to stay in God's hand. And then what's worse, if we're doing okay with that, if we're living in the grace Sometimes we'll put this thing on just to look left and right at everybody else. This weekend, we're pushing our life groups. Shout out to all our life groups and all our life group leaders. We talk to you guys. You can make noise. Yeah, shout out to all our life groups. We believe that being in a family here is the greatest way to really, really enjoy this church to really, really find another pathway of staying connected to God. 
We talk about all the reasons of why someone should be in a life group, but you know what we don't talk about? We don't talk about sometimes some of the reasons why somebody wouldn't want to be in one. And you know why somebody wouldn't want to be in one sometimes? This is not an indictment. This is a warning. This is a plea. When Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, at the end of the verse, he says, look, my heart has been to try to gather all of you up. That has been my heart. My heart is the same in this message. I don't want you to miss the opportunity to give grace. Somebody might not want to come to a life group because they won't feel like they're good enough to be in it. People can tell when judgment is being looked their way. And sometimes, sometimes with this grace that we have, going back to the tendency to want to look at Pharisees and hypocrites and just enjoy our scorecard, we can look at somebody else's life and think we don't need as much grace as them because we're not in the same mess that they are. How dare us? I can tell you right now, if you've ever thought that you didn't need as grace as somebody else, as much grace as somebody else, that sin right there needs more grace than thinking anybody else needs less than you or more than you. And I say that to make you cherish what you have. Giving the grace of God is a gift. So quite plain, I'll just ask you, do you God see or do you Pharisee? When you look around this world and you know that you have the grace of Jesus, when you look at others... Because I can tell you right now, a Pharisee is going to look at somebody's life and see every reason why that they should believe that that person doesn't know Jesus. Because I see their sin and I see their mess and I see their struggle. Even if I see them reaching out for Jesus or if I hear them say Jesus, I don't know if I really believe you or not because I'm seeing too much mess. I'm seeing too low of a scorecard. I can tell you right now, when you God see God looks at somebody's life and sees every reason why he wants them. And then he sees every reason why they should be disqualified and the blood of his son Jesus covering it all. I've only been using the game analogy because we're talking about winning. The life of God is not a game. This is very, very real. We show you this every weekend. And some of you can look at it and go, I remember when I said yes to Jesus. And you should, you should receive the grace and celebrate the grace and sing all my life you have been faithful. But for some of you, maybe you're seeing this for the first time. Maybe you've been living under the impression that you had to have some pretend game of trying to win heaven or God's love or welcoming into his family. All you simply need to do today to win God is just lose. Believe that you've already taken a loss. Sin in our life is what makes us believe that we have to reach for God and try to win God, and it's the reason why we can't ever do it. We're broken. Today, if you are believing that Jesus gave his life so that you can have eternity in heaven, start your victory lap right now in this life. 
all you simply need to do is say yes right now, Jesus. I, I want you. I'm tired of this burden and this game. I can't play it. I've been trying to be religious my whole life and it ain't working. If you'll win for me, I'll take it right now. And if you say that today, please just tell us. We want a victory lap with you. Our team will reach out to you and follow with you and celebrate you and point you to how you begin this life, a purposeful walk with Jesus. No more game. Every kid who's ever played a sport, danced at a recital, competed in a competition, knows the value of looking up in the stands and seeing their parents. They know what it does to them When they look out and they see dad say, just with his eyes, you got this, come on, you got this. <laughs> and the most beautiful part about it being your dad <sighs> so if you step up to that plate and every swing you miss, strike out maybe one hit you get on base but you slide in the second and you're called out even if that was the results after every play of the game even if your whole season was failure after strikeout after miss you know that your dad is only showing up to watch you play he would watch you fail every game if it meant he was just watching his child strive to win and here's the best part no matter what your season looked like you're going to climb into the minivan covered in your dirt sometimes literal sometimes figurative you're going to climb into the minivan with your dirt and your head hanging down from your loss, knowing that you just can't cut it, that you can't make it. Your father's going to lift your head, look you in the eye, and say, let's get ice cream. <laughs> that is grace. Not only do you not have to strive to win at this contest, God is waiting to lavish the rewards of winning all over you, and there's nothing you can do to achieve it. All you gotta do is receive it. And if you've received that today, you better win people the same way that God won you. You better be looking at people with the opportunity to see them as someone who can and should and does know Jesus, no matter the midst of their mess. I hope you're ready to stand. Come on, get up on your feet. You don't have a referee watching your every move, calling out your mistakes. You have a father in the stands. You don't have critics and naysayers writing you off. You have a father cheering you on. You are not 
running this race anymore. Trying to win, you're running simply to your Father. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.